You're never going to have professional copywritten emails and they shouldn't be. They need to be from you and it's okay if they're just you. They need to sound like you and feel like you because the goal here is to connect with your patients, to connect with your ideal patient. Welcome to The Clinical Entrepreneur, a business podcast that's dedicated to healthcare practitioners just like you who are hustling every day to build a business and a life you're proud of. Join me, Rhonda Nelson, as I share my own experiences and extract actionable advice from industry experts about what it takes to build and scale a profitable wellness practice. you're having an awesome week. I'm so glad that you took some time, a hot minute to come hang out with me, whether you are watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast app. I am super glad that you're here. So this month, as I told you, I'm going to be talking about and pulling some content out of Clinical Business Academy to share with you what kind of information is in there, but also just to kind of give you a little bit of edge or strategies that you can start to implement in your practice. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of sending nurture emails. Now, every time I have this conversation with practitioners, and I have for years, everybody like rolls their eyes like, oh, I don't want to have to write an email. Okay, but I'm going to make it really simple for you. You ready? We're going to make this simple. That's like my job. So here's how we're going to do it. We are going to first talk about why this is so important. And then I'm going to give you some strategy around how to create content or come up with the ideas. And then we're going to talk about the tech and the actual doing. Fair? All right, let's start. So first of all, the most important reason that you want to be sending emails regularly to your patients is because it keeps you what we call top of mind. And what that really means is that you are in front of them. You are on their radar. Now, they may not read your email, okay? So let's just get that clear right up front. They may not read it, but they may just see that it's in your inbox. And that's all we need. We just need them to see that you're there. You're alive. You're kicking. You're ready. You're there. So that if they do happen to read it or they see it in the preview and they skim it because we know people just skim, But if they do read it, then great. If they don't, they just know that you're a consistent, reliable, predictable email that's going to show up in their inbox every single week or twice a month, whatever your cadence is. Now, these emails, aside from being consistent and showing up in their inbox, you know, you want to be in front of them so that they remember you. They also are going to provide some kind of value. We're not emailing them to say, schedule an appointment, schedule an appointment, schedule. No, I'm just sending you an email. It's kind of like a bait and switch is how I think about it. We're not doing that. What we want to do is provide value. Now that value could be anything. It could be a quick tip, something that you learned. Maybe you went to a seminar and you came with some little tidbit or you're in clinical academy and you're like the Tuesday trivia. You're like, oh, copy that thing, paste that, put that in email. Like steal it, steal from me. I'm good. Take the content and stick it in an email, what you've learned. But we want to provide value for them. Teach them something. Give them a resource, a checklist, a recipe, even like a video link. I've done emails where I've sent, literally I said, hey, I found this video on YouTube and I thought you might enjoy it. It talks about blah, blah, blah. And that's it. It's all I want them to do is to see that I'm here and I'm caring for them and I'm giving them information that's of value. You may find some little 
you know, recipe for how to make your own dishwasher soap. Well, write an email about that. It does not have to be anything clinically complex or complex. So you don't have to write some big old long documentary email because nobody's going to read it. They don't care. These are your patients. What are they interested in? They're interested in them. They're interested in what can they get from you? What can they learn? What is going to help them solve a problem, get from point A to point B faster, make more money, save more money? Those are the human motivators, right? So we want to address those, give them something of value, something that's going to help them live a better life. And when your information is pretty juicy, meaning like you've got like five tips for sleeping better all night or something like that, they're even more likely to share it with a friend. So we'll talk about the PS later. That's a very underutilized part of an email. But in your PS or at the bottom of your email, you could say, you know, forward to a friend. Sometimes people don't think about it. And you just say forward to a friend and they're like, oh, yeah, my sister might really like this. And so then off they go. They'll send it away. So you want to just be thinking about what kind of information that you can send that's going to really provide some value for them. But consistency is key. Now, let's talk about topics. So coming up with the content is hard for me too. I get it. I don't like it. There are several ways to do this, but this is kind of the, I'll say loosely structured down and dirty way that you can come up with ideas to be able to write about in your email. So this is what I say. I want you to think of your ideal patient. Now, if you don't know your ideal patient, that's all right. Think about the most common type of complaint or type of patient that you get in your office. Or you can think of a common symptom that like seems to show up. So you, for instance, seem to get lots of people with anxiety. Well, anxiety might just be what you're getting, but it's consistent. So you're attracting that somehow. So anxiety might be one of your topics, but you're going to think about what are either the common things that you see, your most favorite type of patient to work with, and you're going to write down three to five problems. You know, you're going to end up with more than that. But I'm just trying to take the pressure off of you. Just start with three to five problems. But you'll see, I've got some sample ones written up here for you and I'll go over them with you. So you're going to just write those down. Now, it could be something like fatigue. If we're just going to go with general things, could be fatigue. Maybe all of your patients have some kind of you know, low energy, could be bloating, could be constipation, could be sleep, it might be anxiety, maybe it's blood sugar, or maybe it's that mid-afternoon lull, you know, they drop out at three or four o'clock, maybe it's a nighttime wind where, or, you know, they get a boost of energy in the nighttime, and you know that that's cortisol, maybe it's adrenals, just pick your few things, one or two of those, and we're going to just focus on them. So don't choose all of them, because then, if it doesn't apply to someone, they're tuning you out. You want to try and make your content appeal to or of interest to as many people as you can. Now, if you're a specialist, let's say that you only work with Hashimoto's. That is your niche all the way. That is your ideal patient is a Hashi's patient. Well, then fine. You're going to write down all the things that you can think of, the challenges, problems, obstacles that they face. So of course, there's going to be weight gain. There's going to be fatigue. There's constipation. There's elevated cholesterol. All the other things that go along with that, right? So you want to think about your ideal patient. So if you don't know, you're pretty safe to choose one of these, you know, more general niches, I'll call it that. So let's take bloating and anxiety. Well, 
clinically, it's super easy to see how those two go together, right? Somebody's anxious, so they're in that sympathetic state all the time. What's happening to the parasympathetic? Going down. What's happening to digestion? It becomes dysfunctional over time. She's going to not digest her food well, and she could be bloated, upper bloat, lower bloat. She's just going to have general digestive dysfunction. Fair? So we have anxiety, which is going to be stress, adrenals, right? All that. And then we have this digestive issue and bloating. And let's say those are the two things that you see a lot of in your practice. All right. So now let's start with the anxiety. I'm going to give you some examples. So if the patient is anxious, what are the three challenges? Remember I said three to five that they might be facing? Well, off the top of my head, this is what I jotted down. I said, well, if they have anxiety, they're likely not sleeping well. Their breathing is probably kind of shallow. Their muscles, shoulder, neck, body, they're probably tense, you know, hamstrings, everything's tight. Everything's not loose. They're probably not outside walking, exercising because of the anxiety. They may or may not be on medication. So you'll have to decide that. They've probably been told that St. John's Ward is bad. You should stay away from it if you're on an SSRI. They've probably had some negative impact on their social life, maybe even on their personal relationships or with their kids, right? Depending on the severity, they may not want to even get out of bed or even leave the house. I mean, it could be more severe anxiety. There could be some depression involved, which is why I mentioned the St. John's wort. They may have decreased immune function because of the high stress, high cortisol that the anxiety is causing. So on an emotional level, they might be afraid that they just have to live like this the rest of their life. So you get the idea. You want to kind of get inside their head. What are the things that they're thinking about and worried about? And what's all of that? Then now we've got anxiety. Now you could move on and say, all right, well, also I see people that have bloating. So then you might write down the same idea. So you say, you know, I'm bloated. I'm afraid to eat. I don't know what to eat. Everything makes me bloated. Water makes me bloated. I'm embarrassed about how I look. Maybe they have reflux too. You could add that in there. They just feel miserable. So you get it. You're going to write down everything you can think of. And those, my friends, are your topics. It's just that easy. So easy. So you're going to pick one of those and you're going to just write a short email. So let's say you want to write about St. John's wort. Well, we know from the research that St. John's wort in double-blind placebo-controlled trials that St. John's wort actually outperformed the SSRIs when it came to mild to moderate depression. Okay, we know that in the research. So maybe you write a shortened version of that. You don't need to go all, you know, rogue and clinical on them because they don't care about the details. You just could start it by that. Did you know that St. John's wort may be safer and more effective than an SSRI? Now, if your patient's on an SSRI, are they gonna wanna read that email with that subject line? Yes, they're gonna say, oh my gosh, sign me up. What is she talking about? What is he talking about? So you're just going to write a quick, short email. Now, one of the things you could write about is your favorite sleep tonic, for instance, right? Some sleep tonic. One of my favorites is what we call the elephant dart. It's inside Clinical Academy. If you want that, if you don't have that recipe, then shoot me an email at support at rondanelson.com and ask and we'll send you the elephant dart protocol. It's a sleep tonic kind of has two parts. There's a liquid part and a tablet part, but it works great. Knocks them out like an elephant dart. 
So you're going to just pick your topic and then write something. Now, your emails shouldn't be any more than about, I would say, 200 to 250 words. That's not very long. If you're not sure about word length, there's a free word counter online. Just type in word counter. I think it's wordcounter.net or something. I'll put the link in the show notes. But you can copy and paste once you have it all written out. You just copy it, paste it into the word counter, and it'll tell you exactly how many words it is. Slick, really, really easy, and it's free. So you don't want your emails to be too long, and you also don't want to give away the farm. And what I mean by that is it's real easy to over-educate. We're all guilty of that, right? We want to overshare. We want to give them, oh, the whole protocol for bloating. Step one is to do this. Step two, avoid these foods. Step three, take these supplements. Step four, well, why do they need you then? Your goal is not to give away your secret sauce. Your goal is not to give away anything that's proprietary. You know, your own proprietary process. Don't do that. You're just going to give them some pointers. Like, here's why bloating can happen. Because there could be high levels of stress. It could be anxiety, insufficient protein intake, poor hydrochloric acid, etc. Write it up however you want, whatever fits your practice model. And then when you're writing them, I will tell you this, that if you can add bullet points, and a GIF or GIF in the middle, it makes them read it. Bullet points break it up. Your paragraphs, and I know for those of you that are, you know, old like me, we were taught that a paragraph was three to five sentences long and a three sentence paragraph was a little on the short side, but that is not the case now. In fact, better writing style for our ADD brains that we just skim emails. 88% of people skim emails and they only read 25% of the words. So the shorter you can make those paragraphs, i.e. one sentence, maybe two sentences, and then do another paragraph and then maybe one sentence and then maybe make a really short sentence like I get that period. And that's your paragraph, your line. What you do is you want to visually break up the copy so that they keep reading. It's not just a wall of copy hitting them in the face because they will keep going. They will never read your email. I won't read it. If you send me an email like that, I'm not going to read it. Would never. I don't have time. It takes too much brain power for me. We are so overloaded and bombarded with images and stimuli that this is why we skim. So you're going to have a better uptake of your information if you use bullet points, if you keep those paragraphs very short, sometimes even just one sentence or a few words, and then make sure that you add in something that's funny. Emojis are fine. Add a GIF or a GIF and something that makes them smile. If you can make them enjoy your emails, they'll read them. And when they see them in their inbox, they're like, oh, I got another email from Dr. Jones. And they'll read it. So don't be stuffy. Don't be dry and boring. Your email, listen, it's got to be fun and interactive. It's got to at least make them smile. Kind of got the sexy tone to it, not literally. But, you know, it's got a little edge to it. And it has to be visually appealing. And it should sound like you. So, you know, let your personality come through. Don't feel like you have to be all, you know, hello, my name is, and today I want to talk to you about I'm out. That's it. I'm not even reading that. Nothing. Just make it fun. Like, hey there, and put their name in. And you can do all of that inside your email software. We'll talk about that in a minute. So now 
I know, is this feeling overwhelming? You may want to listen to this podcast again or take notes, slow me down and take notes. So when you're writing the email, don't put a bunch of technical jargon in there. Just talk to them like at a fifth grade level. If a fifth grader can read your email and they know what you're talking about, success. That's what you want. So just, you know, be conversational. Just say, hey, I was thinking about you the other day. And remember that you're talking to one person too. You want to talk to one person. Nobody likes being addressed as, hey, y'all. We want to know that I want to feel like I'm important. I want to feel like you're talking to me. Well, everyone and all the people, that's not me. So just write as if you have that patient sitting right in front of you. What would you say to them? If you're going to write them a letter or a note, imagine that you're just talking to one person. That's how you're going to make more compelling emails that people will read. So last thing before we get to the tech, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, when you can, I mentioned this earlier, you're going to want to include a PS. Everybody reads a PS. It's like psychological. We can't not read the PS. So in your PS, you can ask them a question. You can put a link in there. Even if you put the video link in the upper part of your email, you know, the body of the email, your PS might be, hey, listen, I really think you're going to love this link or this video. Be sure you click it and watch it before this email gets lost in your inbox or your email abyss with a smiley face. And that can be as simple as your PS is. You might want to tell them to head on over, like maybe you put a link in there to a social media post that you want them to look at. Or you've asked them a question, you know, what do you think about this appeal that the Gates Foundation is putting on all of the produce? What do you think about it? And you've written up like a little article about that because people are concerned about the food that they're eating. And you say, hit reply, tell me what you think. You can ask a question. You can ask them to sign up for something that you're doing. Like, hey, I'm doing a free workshop. Let me know that you're coming. Click reply or click this link. You could have them register for a webinar. You could even create a poll or ask for their feedback. There's lots of ways that you can include that PS, but you want them interacting with your emails. Goal is kind of like you want to make sure that what they're doing is interactive. You want to make sure that they're really on and engage and want to take action with you. So now let's recap our process. First, you're going to be consistent. So we're going to set this up so that you're doing it once every two weeks, or if you're a superstar, you could do it every week. You're going to write down the three to five problems, but there's always more that are associated with symptoms, conditions, challenges, pain points, et cetera, that patients come to you for. In other words, typical things that you would see. And then when you write those down, then you're going to start to create an email that's 200 to 250 words. And it doesn't always have, you know, some kind of a ask in it per se, like schedule with me, buy this, buy that, buy this supplement. You could write an email about a supplement and put a link in there or say, hey, let me know if you want this. And we've got some in our office. Very passive. The point of the email is to provide value. I would say as a general rule, you could ask them to connect with you, schedule, stop by, that kind of thing. Maybe every fourth email, you don't need to do it all the time because then they're going to quit reading them because all you're doing is asking, hand out, you've got your hand out. You're just saying, you know, I want money. I want your time. I want you to come in. And no one wants that. That doesn't feel good. So that's kind of your recap. Then you're going to write your email and then don't forget the PS. So again, there's a lot in here. You may want to go back I'm sorry. See, I do what you do. 
I'm so excited to tell you about this and I give you all the info and then it's overwhelming. So that's probably exactly what I did. But you can go back and listen to it again. <laughs> all right, now let's talk about the tech as we wrap up. Everybody gets nervous about the nerdy stuff. So I'm gonna make it super easy for you. In order to do this, you'll need to have an account with either of an email provider like MailChimp or Constant Contact, okay? Those are the two that you would more likely choose from. And when you do that, you'll set up your account. You probably are gonna want to have a paid account. You can start with a free one. The features just aren't all there and it's fairly inexpensive. So I would just get a paid account. So let's say you have six or eight emails already written up and these shouldn't take you very long to write. We're not looking for perfection because I get caught in this too. Like we could edit and edit and oh, I need to say it differently. If that sounds really stupid, look, you're not gonna be the best email writer at the beginning. It's okay. B minus work, friend. B minus work. That's what we're going for. So what we wanna do is you've got your emails written out. You got your MailChimp constant contact account set up, one or the other. And then you're gonna upload your most current list of all the emails from your patients. You're gonna put them into that email provider. So now they're all there. You can, in those particular ones, you can actually add tags to your emails. You can separate them out into groups or buckets. So like you could add a tag for all the female patients and all the male patients and all the menopausal women, or you can have all kinds of tags so that when you do send emails, you may have an email that's really relevant for menopausal women, hot flashes, but that's not gonna to apply to all women. So you can tag like that. But that's all you need. You need an account with MailChimp or Constant Contact and you need your email list and you need your email copy. And that's it, that's it. So you're gonna set up your account, upload your list, add the email and then hit send and that's it. Now you can pre-schedule them. So if you have six or eight written, then you're gonna wanna go in and add the copy for those emails in there. And listen, there are so many tutorials and how-tos online. So pick your platform, they're both much the same. They just look a little different on the back end, but the outcome is exactly the same. So just choose one and then go find some tutorials on how to upload your email list or how to add an email into the Constant Contact or MailChimp. There's lots of tutorials online. And so the most important thing I wanna leave you with today is when you start this, what your patients wanna see is that you're there. They wanna see that you're consistent. You're showing up, you are consistent. You're in their inbox every two weeks or every week, whatever your cadence is. But once you start, just be consistent. So that's why I recommend that you write those emails out ahead of time. And then maybe a month from now, you're gonna write six or eight more. And here's a little pro tip. This is also inside Clinical Business Academy, but pro tip. I know it sounds like a lot, I know. But once you get 26 emails or 52 emails, if you wanna send them every week, guess what? You can recycle those bad boys. You don't have to rewrite a new one. Nobody's gonna remember that you sent that particular email a year ago. Nobody's even gonna remember. So this is one of those things that, you know, as you go throughout the year, just write four at a time. Pick a topic, write four at a time. If you run out of topics, go back and pick out another topic. You can always write about food. You can always write about nutrients. You can always pick an herb to write about or a supplement to write about. So you really should never run out of topics, really. 
So be consistent. That's number one. Number two, pick your cadence and stick with it. So if it's every week, great. If it's twice a month, great. Or every other week, that's great. Just stick with it. Number three, if you haven't sent emails, you will get unsubscribes. There is no question about it. And I don't want you to like go, you know, fall over in a corner and say, oh my gosh, people unsubscribing. I don't want you to do that. It's okay. I actually am quite happy when I get unsubscribes because it tells me that they have said, I don't think you're my person. And so I don't want your information. I would much rather have a warm, active list than to have a list full of friends, families, the pet, family pets. Like, I don't want people on my list that don't want what I have. I want a nice, warm, ready-to-buy email list. So there will be unsubscribes, and don't feel bad about that. It's okay. Like, you just don't even look. Just keep going. Lastly, and probably most importantly, if you're anything like me, and that is you're never going to have it perfect. So if you are a perfectionist kind of person, you should probably let that go. B minus work is what we go for, at least initially. You might be able to bring it up to a B plus, but you probably never get to an A minus. A minus people are the professional copywriters and you're not that. So you're never going to have professional copywritten emails and they shouldn't be. They need to be from you and it's okay if they're just you. They need to sound like you and feel like you because the goal here is to connect with your patients, to connect with your ideal patient and let them know that you are living, you're breathing, you're alive, you're still serving, you're still here to help and add value and that's it. That's what they want to know and it doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, if you do try and make it perfect, it then doesn't even sound like you. It sounds more robotic. Now you can use ChatGPT if you want to for ideas, but don't let ChatGPT write your emails for you. You could maybe get, you know, feed it some information and get out kind of an overview. That would be okay, but then you need to rewrite it in personality. ChatGPT is nothing but a robot. So it doesn't have personality. So it needs to sound like you feel like you so that when people read it, they're like, yeah, yeah, hey doc, I know, I see you, I got you. So that's it for this week. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. And listen, as I've been mentioning this month, I'm really, really pulling out some of my favorite content out of Clinical Business Academy. And our wait list is filling up, friends. So get on that wait list. Go to rondanelson.com forward slash CBA to get in on the business growth. And let's get that business rocking and rolling for you so that you have a retirement you have an asset in your business that can be sold for multiples and you can make back that money. And most importantly, right now, you can make an income, serve more people, leverage your time and have a hugely successful business that allows you to live the life you love and be able to serve the people that you care the most about. All right, friends, take care. I'll see you next week on the podcast.